Hello and welcome to St. Paul United Methodist Church's Sermon Podcast. I'm Pastor Mike Agnew, and it's great to have you listening to our sermons this way. Before I begin the sermon, I want to give an announcement. And that is that given the recent rise in COVID cases in the U.S. and in our state, the Iowa Conference of the United Methodist Church has updated their pandemic guidance by recommending that Iowa United Methodists wear masks during indoor church activities. Now, our local church has made the decision that we will continue to let you decide whether to wear a mask or not. We know that people within our congregation have different feelings about what is or isn't safe, and we want you to know that you're welcome to participate in the life of the church to whatever extent you feel you can. If you feel safer wearing a mask in worship, you may do so and know that we are glad to have you in church. If you do wear one, you're not going to be alone, as I have made the decision to wear a mask before and after worship when I'm mingling with crowds. I feel this will help me to better protect those that I come across and visit, as I visit a lot of folks in our congregation, making it less likely that I'll spread germs to those who may be vulnerable and or unable to receive a vaccine. If you feel you need to continue worshiping virtually, please know that you are still an important member of our congregation. We appreciate you, and we look forward to when it'll be safe enough for you to return. And finally, if you decide to worship without a mask, we're glad to have you here as well. This is a complicated time, but I believe we can get through it as we continue to be the church making a difference in the world. Now, getting to our sermon, if you've been listening in the last few weeks, you know that we've been looking at the basics of our faith, the basics of what we believe as Christians, using the Apostles' Creed as our guide. Now, the Apostles' Creed is divided into three separate sections, each one pertaining to a different person in the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So, we've talked about the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. But there's more. Because, you see, that third section has a number of different subjects besides just the Holy Spirit. And so, we're actually going to be continuing to look at the Apostles' Creed for two more Sundays after this one. So, let's continue on. We're going to be looking at the part of the Apostles' Creed that says, I believe in the Holy Catholic Church and the communion of saints. And so, in other words, we're going to be talking about the church. So, what comes to mind for you when you hear the word church? Chances are you think of a building. It could be our building, or it could be your childhood church, if it was a different one, or it could just be a stock image of a typical church. But most of the time, we think of a building. I mean, how do you define church? Because we know that church is more than a building, but how do we define it? What has to be in church for church to be church? Is it the pews? Robes? Altar tables? Steeples? A dome? What needs to be in the church? Maybe for some people it's guitars or a praise band. But what needs to be in the church for it to be considered a church? If you answered none of the above, you'd be correct. You know, I've been to a number of different churches in my years, 
I've been to liberal and conservative churches, traditional, contemporary churches. I've been to churches where people wear jeans and where people wear robes. I've been to churches where people have big old pipe organs and massive choirs, and I've been to places where they have praise bands and fog machines. I've been to churches that meet in warehouses and theaters and schools and dedicated church buildings, and I've been... I've seen churches that meet online even before that was the thing to do with the pandemic. And you know what? Christ's presence can be felt in all of them. It's almost as if God doesn't care about all those things as long as we're worshiping God sincerely and doing what he's called us to do to make disciples. And that's because one thing that we need to remember is that the church is not a building. The church is the people. We mentioned this last week briefly, but we really want to zero on in on this. The church is not a building, the church is the people. And that's why the Apostle Paul, in his letter to the Corinthians, uses the metaphor of the human body when talking about the church. Well, that's Really, when you think about it, that's an interesting idea. You know, the church, in many ways, is like a business, but the church is not a business. The church, in many ways, is like a social club, or a service organization, but it's not any of those things. The church at its core is a body. It's like a living organism. And the head, or the foundation, is Jesus Christ. And we're all connected and interconnected and interdependent. We need one another. You know, the Apostle Paul, as he uses this metaphor of the human body with the different parts, he gets a little humorous in his use of this metaphor. But one thing that he drives home is that we need one another. Right? And so, if any of you have ever hurt yourself, if you've hurt yourself or you had something go wrong, you know what I'm talking about here. When I say that we need one another, all the different parts of the body need one another. When one part suffers, everything suffers. And you know this is true. Right? Maybe you might have a situation where there's an organ in your body that maybe you didn't even know you had or you didn't even know what it did, but when it's not working, boy, you feel bad all over. Or how about this? Have you any of you ever stubbed one of your small toes? Oh, that hurts. You know, the, the little toes are so little, they seem so insignificant, but don't you dare hurt it or it's going to hurt a lot. You're going to have a lot of pain. I've told some of you this, but not everyone, but I remember one time when I was at a new church appointment, and the Saturday before my first Sunday, I stubbed one of my little toes on an exercise bike, and I knew it was probably broken because, number one, it hurt incredibly badly, number two, it was turning purple and black, but I wasn't going to go to the doctor because it's Saturday, right, and usually they don't do anything if it's broken anyway, so... I thought, how am I going to do this? How am I going to get into the church tomorrow? How am I going to get into my dress shoes? But by golly, Sunday morning, I was able to get in my dress shoes and I was able to go to church on Sunday. But when you hurt something, everything is affected. Everything hurts. And that is it's why this is such a good metaphor for how we need one another in church. We talked about the gifts of the Spirit and the fruits of the Spirit in last week's sermon, so I'm not going to go over them here. But we need one another in the church, and when one of us suffers, we all suffer. All right. Now, as we talk about church, 
an important question to ask ourselves is this. If St. Paul's United Methodist Church were to close its doors permanently tomorrow, would anyone in our community care? If St. Paul's United Methodist Church closed their doors tomorrow, would anybody in the community care? I'm not talking about people who are a part of the church. I'm not talking about people who are involved in church life. I'm talking about those who are outside the church. Would they care? Would they miss it? This question, while it may be hard to answer, helps us to think about how we focus on the community around us. Because, you see, if a church isn't intentional about it, it will become an inwardly focused church. Churches don't start out that way. They start out by being outwardly focused, right? Because they have to. When they're a new church, they're reaching out to new people. They have to be outwardly focused if they're going to have a church. But what so often happens is that eventually a church gets to the point to where they have enough people that they can be pretty comfortable. And then if they're not intentional about continuing to be outwardly focused, churches tend to drift towards being inwardly focused. Now, an inwardly focused church, just to be clear, is a church where all of its ministries or almost all of its ministries are focused on people who already attend, members, people who are already involved in the life of the church. There are very few outreach ministries. An inwardly focused church is one in which the mission and vision to make disciples has taken a back seat And the thing that's primarily running the church is making members happy. Ministry planning generally uh, consists of looking at the past year and looking at how we're going to do the same thing again. But inwardly focused churches don't usually ask whether or not what they're doing is effective in the first place anymore. An inwardly focused church, when given the choice between making new disciples and keeping current members comfortable will choose the latter every time because the status quo is in the driving seat rather than the mission and vision of the church. This is not something that happens intentionally. It is not something that happens because people are bad or evil. It just happens automatically if we're not thinking about it. So we have to be intentional about being outwardly focused. Now, that doesn't mean that we don't serve members or that we don't try to help people to be comfortable or happy. We want people to uh, be happy. We want to be hospitable to people. But we can't do that to the exclusion of making disciples. And sometimes the two are, are not always compatible. What do I mean by that? Well, as I said earlier, when churches start out, they're outwardly focused. But at some point along the way, if you're not careful, if they're not careful, they can become inwardly focused. And when that happens, church growth stops. The church starts to plateau and then slowly decline, ever so slowly, so slowly, in fact, that you can't even see it happening. You don't even notice it. You look around, you say, there's lots of people here, and things seem to be good. But then eventually, if that continues and nothing is done, then you're going to reach this breaking point where the decline is going to happen very quickly. It's kind of like if you own a car and your car is starting to get older and the check engine light comes on. How many of us have ever been tempted to take some electrical black tape and cover up that check engine light? 
right? Because we just didn't want to deal with it or we didn't have time. And so we ignore it. We hope it just goes away and we continue driving. We don't want to be interrupted. But what happens if we do that is that eventually that car is going to break down. And the same thing is true with church. You know, sometimes we don't want to admit that there's a problem. We don't want to admit that uh, maybe uh, the, the church is plateaued or in a decline. And so we put that electrical tape over it. We ignore it and we just keep doing what we've always been doing because we don't want to be interrupted and hoping that the problem will somehow take care of itself. The thing is that much like a used car, this problem of, of church growth and being outwardly focused, it never takes care of itself. We have to be intentional about it. We have to stop, open up the hood, and see what's wrong. Right? It's the only way. It's the only way that we're going to make a difference. I uh, have met with many of you, many congregants, members of the church, and oftentimes asked the question of what you hope for the future of the church, and by and large, the answer that is normally given is that we want to have more members, younger members, younger families coming back, new young families coming in. That's a good thing. I mean, that's a good goal. But I want to share three things pertaining, pertaining to that. First of all, just because I am considered young doesn't mean that young people are automatically going to come flocking back to the church. That is a myth. It's, there's a myth that if you get a young pastor, young people are going to come flocking to the church, right? Not that it can't happen, but there's no guarantee that it's going to happen. And so I'm not going to tell you that young people are going to come flocking back to the church just because I'm under 50. Let me tell you something. As I preach to you, I am older than I've ever been. Did you know that? I am. I'm older than I've ever been. And in all my time as a pastor since 2003, in all the churches I've ever been at, they've struggled with reaching young people. It is a societal problem that has been going on for 60 plus years. It is a multifaceted problem that has brought us to the place that we're at right now. And so there are no easy formulas or answers. And so, you know, I don't have a master plan for how to get young families back at church. I'm just going to be honest and tell you that just because I'm young doesn't mean that I know how to do that, right? There is no secret formula. There just isn't. So that's number one. Number two, well, first of all, before we move on from number one, I want to tell you that even though I may not have like a master plan and know exactly what to do to get young families back, there are some ideas and there are some things that we can try right? But the thing is, we have to try things. And we're never going to know if we don't try anything new. And here's the thing. When we try new things, we're going to fail sometimes. But you know what? Failure gets a bad rap. Failure isn't so bad. It really isn't. We can fail spectacularly at something, and that can be a reason to celebrate because you know what? That means we're trying new things. And it's better to try new things and fail sometimes than to not try anything at all, right? And so if we fail at something, we can say, all right, we tried that. We gave it a good faith effort, and it didn't work out. But now we know what not to do, and now we're going to try something else, right? So, so we can try things that, that, you know, and we do what we can to try to reach out to young families. But if we don't do anything, 
then we guarantee it's not going to happen. And that brings us to point number two. And that is that every organization, not just churches, every organization, but since this is in a sermon, I'm going to say every church is aligned, perfectly aligned for, and doing the exact things that it needs to do to get the results that they're currently getting. So we are perfectly aligned and doing exactly what we need to do to get the results that we're currently getting. So if we don't like the results that we're currently getting, that means we're going to have to change. We're going to have to try some new things. That can be hard because sometimes that means we have to do things that might make us feel uncomfortable or we might not like, or maybe we don't have a a preference for that kind of thing, whatever it is. And when those things happen, when making disciples and making members happy conflict, we have to decide which one is going to be in the front seat, which one's going to be in the driver's seat. It's never easy, right? And that doesn't mean that there isn't room for compromise. Obviously there is. But we have to be open and willing to try new things and to change and to fail in order to reach out to new folks, right? So we have to be open to that. So number one, young families are not automatically going to come back to church because I'm young, but we do have ideas. Number two, the church is perfectly aligned and the church is doing all the right things to get the exact results that they are getting. If we're not happy with that, we need to do something different. Number three, I can't do it alone. The pastor cannot do it alone. In fact, that's not even biblical. I need you. I need your help. I, we, we all need one another, right? That's, that's the whole point of the church. It, it, the Bible doesn't tell us that the church is the pastor. It tells us the church is the people, the church is the body, all the different parts, and Jesus is the head. But all of us, we all are dependent upon one another. We need one another, right? All of us. And it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter how young or old you are. In the Bible, God called David when he was a boy and he called Moses and continued to call Moses when he was 80, right? So it doesn't matter. And the thing is, though, oftentimes what happens is we come to church with a consumeristic mindset, right? We come to church, in other words, thinking about what the church can do for us rather than what we can do for others. We think of what the church can do for us and what we can get out of it. To some extent, that's warranted. I mean, especially when we're new Christians, you know, we just need to come and we need to be like a sponge and we need to soak in everything that we that we hear and see. We need to learn. We need to grow, right? And in a very real sense, that never ends because we want to be lifelong students. So, so yes, there is some valid points to that consumeristic mindset. But at some point along the way, we need to flip a switch, where we say that we're not going to be consumers of the faith only, but we're also going to be servants and producers of the faith in others. But that's the scary thing, and and it's, it's always amazing to me sometimes how long it is before somebody will make that switch. Some people go their entire lives without that making that switch, and they continue to uh, just have a consumeristic mindset of the Christian faith or the church. But here's the thing, the church is not about us. The church is about the people outside of the church and what we can do to make a difference in the world and to make new disciples and bring more people in to grow in their faith and become mature disciples of Jesus Christ. And so so you have to ask yourself, when are you going to flip that switch if you haven't already, right? 
Jesus' disciples had three years only with Jesus before they were called to go out on their own and make a difference in the world, right? So many of us, many of us, we've been going to church for decades. There are some people who've gone to church for decades and they don't feel like they're ready to serve others and to make disciples. And yet many of these same people have had much more training than Jesus' disciples ever did. In many ways, they were inadequate. They were deficient in many ways, but yet Jesus felt that they were ready. If you've been going to church for any length of time, you are too, right? And it doesn't mean you have all the answers, but it means that you're willing to help. And so you, you might even say to me, Mike, I want to help. Even if you don't know how, you don't have to know all the answers. I don't know all the answers, but you can say that you want to help. And that's a first step, Right. You don't have to know everything. You don't have to be 100% ready. If you wait until you're 100% ready, you're going to be waiting your whole life. But the thing is, the truth is, God has called all of us. He's called uh, people who've been Christians for many, many decades, people who've been Christians for, uh, you know, a year. It doesn't matter. God calls all of us to this task of making disciples. And here's the thing. The church is more than just this congregation. We're not on our own. The Apostles' Creed says, I believe in the Holy Catholic Church. Now that line trips people up sometimes because they think to themselves, well, I'm not Catholic, so why would I say that? And that makes sense. But here's the thing. We have to remember that the Apostles' Creed is an ancient document. It was written before there was a Roman Catholic Church, and so the word meant something different. In fact, in the United Methodist Hymnal, which is found on page 881, you'll find the Apostles' Creed, and at that line, there is an asterisk. And when you go to the bottom of that line, it says universal. So what this is saying is we believe in one universal church, a unified church. So all of the different expressions of the church around the world, all of the churches around the world, all of the different traditions, including Catholics, all of these churches are a part of the body of Christ. Not only that, but we also believe in the communion of saints. Now, commune, communion comes from the word commune or communicate. And so when we have communion, the sacrament of communion, we are communicating, we are, we are close to God. In the same way, when we, we talk about the communion of saints, saints refers to those, who, those Christians who've passed on in generations past. And you know, sometimes people talk about those thin spaces in life. Those times when, when we feel that we're close to those who've gone before us. And something to think about is that when we worship God, we are close to those who have gone before us because in a very real way, when we worship, we are joining those who've worshipped and, and who are worshipping in heaven. And so in a very real way, we are connecting with those. We are communing with the saints. And so, you know, folks... The church gets a bad rap sometimes, but the church is really a pretty amazing thing, and the mission is really important. It's too important for us to ignore. It's too important for us to give up on. Think about this for a moment. How many of you have adult children? Think about your adult children. Or maybe you even have adult grandchildren. 
Are they currently involved in a church? Don't feel bad if they aren't, but if they aren't, don't you wish that there'd be a church somewhere that would reach out to them? A church that would give them compelling reasons why they need to be involved in a community of faith and know Jesus Christ? Wouldn't that be great? You know, maybe you're even praying for that. Maybe you're praying that one day there'll be a church that will reach out to them and they'll come to be involved and grow in their faith. Well, here's the thing. There are people in Cherokee who are their grown children and grown grandchildren of other people. And maybe their grandmothers and grandfathers are praying for them. Praying that there would be some kind of church that would reach out to them and give them a compelling reason to get involved in a community of faith and grow in their faith and come to know the life-changing power of Jesus Christ. And maybe, just maybe, we could be the answer to that prayer. This mission is too important for us to ignore. It's too important for us to put in the back seat or to put electrical black tape over the check engine light. We are called, all of us, to work together to make disciples, to make a difference in the world. So may we all do that together. Amen. <laughs>